You see, the undeniable power of God is never without a witness. I believe, friends, you and me are those witnesses. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. There's always going to be something that's going to try to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And sometimes they are very well-meaning, very uh, very uh, understandable issues. But we have to remember something else. God is greater than those things. And again, to see it through God's eyes rather than our own eyes. To see it through our own eyes, we would say, oh... What a nasty storm. But through God's eyes, this was an attempt, I believe, of the underworld to stop Jesus from doing and delivering this man. I don't believe there's anything the devil likes to do any greater than to destroy humankind and make a mockery of him. You look at some of the people that Satan has gotten a hold of. You sometimes see these TV interviews with mass murderers or whatever. I don't think there's anything the devil likes to do more than take a creation that God made, you and me, and make a total mockery of him. Well, this is what we find. This man was, he was the laughing stock of the city, laughing stock of the area. He was insane, the Bible says. He couldn't be controlled. He was self-destructful. He would cut himself with stones and supernatural strength. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, Come out of him, man, unclean spirit. And he answered and said, what is your name? And he answered him, my name is Legion, for we are many. Now, this is interesting to me. I think a lot of people get hung up here on the name. Uh, A legion in Roman culture was 6,000 soldiers. Was this man possessed with 6,000 demons? Probably not. But I believe this is what is said. That's not his name, if you notice. They said, we're legion, for we're many. That wasn't the Spirit's name, friends. That was just the statement saying, there's a lot of us, we want to whoop up on you. I really believe that this man had intimidated any and everyone he had ever come in contact with. They would bind him with chains, and he would snap them like they were confetti. What was with this guy? I don't believe the name was so much to identify, but rather to choose off. Hey, we're legion. We're a force here. 
And that force always worked with intimidating people that would try to bind him. But you might notice here, it didn't make any difference to Jesus. Whether there's one or a million, it doesn't make any difference. Was there really 6,000 demons? I don't know. But I know one thing, there are no match for the Spirit of God. And no match for the Spirit of God that's within you. So we need to be aware of, first of all, who, <laughs> who God is. Second of all, our authority in him. You have authority in Christ. If you're a born-again believer today, there's a couple of things. First of all, you have supernatural protection. I like that. Supernatural protection. God envelops us in his spirit. How else could we be involved in spiritual warfare if we ourselves were not equipped to meet the challenge? So God does that. He, he gives us that supernatural envelopment, that protection to be about our father's business. This is one of the reasons why the seven sons of Sceva, they were vagabond Jewish exorcists going around adjuring demons. Well, one time they came across a guy that was really demon-possessed. And they came to the man and they said, by the Jesus whom Paul preaches, demon, we adjure you. And the demon responded in this demon-possessed man, and he said, Jesus we know, and Paul we know, but who are you? And the Bible says he leaped on these seven brothers, tore all their clothes off, and the last we find of them, they're still running naked. Why is that? Because they weren't protected, they weren't enveloped by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is not just so we can swing on chandeliers and knock over rows of pews and do things like that. The power of the Holy Spirit is to put power in you as a child of God so that people's lives will be changed forever. Certainly this man in Gadara, his life was about to be changed forever. Now it says, Jesus said, come out of him, unclean spirit. Now notice it didn't come out of him immediately. And I think this is important because we find a conversation. Come out of him, unclean spirit. Then he, this man, then, then Jesus asked him, he said, what is your name? He said, Legion, for we're so many. And he begged him earnestly that he would not send him out of the country. Now there was a large herd of swine feeding there in the mountains. And all the demons begged him, saying, send us into the swine that we may enter them. It's interesting, these disembodied spirits need in some way, some kind of a body to carry out their wickedness that they want to do. And so at once, Jesus gave them permission. The, then the unclean spirit went out. The unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine. There was about 2,000 pigs and they ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned it in the sea. I've heard all kinds of jokes about this. This is first mention of deviled ham in the Bible. I've also heard this is, and the one I like the best is suicide. I, I don't think you can get any better than that one on this one. But notice it says that they then went crazy. Let me tell you, when you mess with the underworld, be prepared to lose faculty. Be prepared to lose possession of yourself. 
this devil is a real foe of humankind. You know, when we've been studying, we've been studying on Wednesday night, we went through the book of Jude. And when Michael was in um, discussion with the devil over Moses' body, maybe where it was buried, the Bible says that he didn't bring railing accusation, he just said, the Lord rebuke you. And you know, friends, that's all we ever have to say to the devil, the Lord rebuke you. Always keep Jesus between you and the enemy. The devil's had 6,000 years of experience of deceiving human beings. And the minute that we think that we can take him on, I remember one time a guy that, that uh, got saved and he was a rambunctious boy. And I remember he uh, was very bold and he would do all kinds of kind of weird stuff. He'd stand on tables in restaurants and scream and preach at people and stuff and we try to calm him down. But I remember one time I was talking to him. He goes, where's the devil? I'll tear his head off. And I said, oh, you don't know what you're saying. I said, he can tear your head off. And sure enough, he did. He, he lost his mind. Why is that? Because I really believe that we don't understand the true darkness and the warped perversion that comes from the pit of hell. Thank God for Jesus Christ covers us in his blood, separates us from those things. But always keep Jesus between you and the enemy. Always keep Jesus between you and the enemy. Why is that? Because you have a real force that wants to stop you in your tracks. There's a real devil that will put storms in your life to keep you from doing what God has called you to do. Don't be fooled by the the bugaboo that's out there. Oh, well, this guy's possessed and he's got lots of demons and, and the storm. Hey, listen, God has commissioned every one of us to do a work for him. Don't let yourself get ripped off by the diversion. The diversion was the storm. But Jesus made it where he was going. And I believe these are in the Bible, as the scripture tells us, for our examples. And so we realize that here's this man possessed with demons. They said, well, can we go into the pigs? And Jesus said, get out of here, go on. And they did. And by the way, you say, well, that was kind of mean for Jesus to do that to the pigs. I mean, where was Peta and some of these other animal rights activist groups? Well, you know what's funny? According to Leviticus and Exodus, they weren't supposed to have pork at all. Jesus was doing what they should have done all along. They shouldn't have had herds of swine. That was illegal, basically, in that area. And so he uh, wiped out one of their pork, mean pork businesses there. And the Bible says that uh, they ran down violently steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And by the way, I've been to Israel on the Sea of Galilee there. And this is, there's only one place that this could have happened. And it's a cliff. Everything else is a slow, sloping shoreline except this one place right where this happened. Now it says that those who fed the swine, they told it in the city. They probably scared to death, ran. And it says, they told in the city and in the country. And then they went out to see what it was that had happened. Verse 15. They came to Jesus 
and saw the one who had formerly been demon-possessed, and he had, uh, that had a legion sitting clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him, and that the demon-possessed, and about the swine. And they began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Isn't that weird? They would have rather had their pigs than the men in their right mind. And so they told Jesus, go away. We don't want you here. Something interesting we find here. And when Jesus got in the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but he said to him, Go home to your friends, tell them what great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion on you. And he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis, this was one of the principal of the ten cities in all that Jesus had done for him, and they all marveled. One of the couple of things we see here, Jesus was asked to leave, and what did he do? He left. Why is that? Jesus won't stay where he's not wanted. I think this is really part of that heart of God. And this is why I think in Revelation, where we find Jesus writing the churches. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now, isn't it weird that Jesus is addressing the church and yet he's on the outside knocking to get in. Why is that? They left him out. And I believe that, again, we as Christians, just as a church, can leave God out of our hearts, out of our lives, out of our purpose. And then when the storms of life come, they become overwhelming because the storms, of course, were always to stop you from doing what God wants you to do. And so then he says to us, Jesus, I want to come with you, this man who was possessed. And he said, go home to your friends and tell them the great things the Lord has done for you. You minister where you're planted. You know, I think a lot of times that's the way a lot of us are. We always want to go minister someplace else rather than where God plants us. The old saying, bloom where you're planted. I think that's some good wisdom. Well, the thing is, is that Jesus knew they needed a testimony and there was not a greater demonstration of the power of God than what God had done for this man. Do you realize there's not a greater testimony that people around you know than what God has done for you? I think that's so important. You're the undeniable power of a living God. They all knew what you were like before. They know what you're like now. This is one of the things that so troubled the Pharisees when Jesus would heal somebody. They couldn't heal anybody. They couldn't make anybody's eyes uh, start seeing again or anything like that. And they were jealous. Now, there's two kinds of people when they see something like this. There are those that say, ooh, tell me more, or oh, go away. I don't want what you have. Well, that's exactly what the people in the area of the Gadarenes did to Jesus. Go away. We don't want what you've got. But Jesus is never without a witness. And he left the example of the man that he had touched. And he departed and began to proclaim. I like that. 
the man did exactly what Jesus said. Boy, could you imagine his testimony? Ain't that the crazy guy that was always bound with chains and lived in the tombs and stunk really bad and would cut himself? Yeah, what's going on with him? I don't know. He's in his right mind and he's talking and we actually understand what he's saying. Wow. You don't think that rocked the world there? You don't think that this crazy man living in, in and by the way, it says that he would, he would uh, wail. Uh, notice verse five. Uh, he living in the tombs, crying out with a loud voice. So, I mean, I, I'm not surprised that probably some of the kids from town didn't come out and watch him just go nuts out in the, out in the, out in the boonies. And now he's in his right mind seated. You see, the undeniable power of God is never without a witness. I believe, friends, you and me are those witnesses. You think about all the things, maybe not demon possession, but you think about all the things that God has delivered you from. You have a testimony. I've had people say to me, well, I'd love to share the gospel with people, but I don't know the Bible that good. I don't know what to say. Then you share with them what God has done for you, just as Jesus. You know, this is really amazing here. Verse 19, however, Jesus did not permit him, but sent him to Bible school. And after five years and a lot of diplomas on the wall, he was finally able to go share the gospel with the people in Decapolis. No. What was it? What God has done for you right now, you can tell others about right now. I like that. In other words, he didn't have to be trained. He was ordained by the Holy Spirit. Big difference. And he began to proclaim in the cities. Well, you look at this. This guy that was once crazy, now in his right mind. A storm that magically just appears to get in the way of Jesus going to set this man free. And I begin to think about what are the things that happen to me in my life, your life, that come to try to stop us from doing what God wants you to do. Well, you know, we have much to be thankful for. If you're a Christian here this morning, you know, Jesus said, remember me. He gave us communion. He says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. And as we come to the Lord's table, I was raised in church for many years. I always understood what the cup was all about. It was, oh, that my sins were forgiven in Jesus's blood on the cross. The bread, well, I didn't think so much about that. It was just kind of went with the, went with the, the, the juice. That's what I thought until I began to really study. Peter says, by his stripes, we are healed. Jesus held up the bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. Well, what was the purpose of Jesus's body being broken? If his blood covered my sins, why was his body broken? It was that we could be healed. Friends, we need to be healed. Because if we're walking wounded, we're not going to be effective for the body of Christ. In other words, God, I want to do a lot for you, but I've got all these arrows in my back. And Jesus said, I came to break those problems in your life off of you, to heal you to restore you. This is one of the things that God does. And God wants to heal you and restore you and bring you to the place where he can use you to the fullest. That we recognize the storms of life are not just oopsies, bad luck, but we go, oh, 
attack of the devil, starting to see through God's spiritual eyes. Changes the way you see everything. This morning, I pray that if you're not a believer, you would accept Christ today. You are without protection. You are a vulnerable and a a possible person that could be possessed. Why is that? Because the devil goes around, Peter says, as a roaring lion, seeking whom he can devour. You know, you think about that for a minute. But you, as a Christian, you're under divine protection. It isn't just apple pie and the sweet by and by. It isn't just heaven someday when we die. But that God's got a purpose for us here and now for you to be about his business. And to meet those challenges that, as Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we meet those challenges, the devil's going to try to stop you. And how does he try to stop you? Any way he can. Any way he can. So don't be allowed, don't, don't think that, that, well, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I just step from glory to glory. And you see some of these crazy things that are said about the gospel. No, when we do what God wants us to do, we're always met with the opposition. If you're going to be effective for Jesus Christ, that's the way it always is. But know this, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So when we recognize this, close encounters of Jesus change the way I see life and it changes my purpose for life. But in process, I'm going to, have, I'm going to be wounded. You know, a lot of times, friends, for many of us, church is the only break we get all week from the constant bombardment. Sometimes it's a unsaved spouse or unsaved children or unsaved parents in the home. And church is the only reprieve that people get because it's where they're around Christian. Finally, I can let my guard down and I, I can be around Christians and I can just give somebody a hug and say, God bless you. Well, this morning, if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior and you're saying, I, I, I don't want to be a victim of the age. I don't want that devil to come after me. The Bible says that he will work his way in. He'll make a lie so irresistible that you'll buy into it. But you see, when you see through the eyes of God, you go, ah, fool's gold. We recognize, we know what it is. This morning, if you've never prayed and asked Christ into your life, we're going to pray right now. And you can ask the Lord to come into your life and change you Fill you with his Holy Spirit. Your sins are forgiven and you walk new with him each day. You see, you don't want another 10 years like you just had or another five years. You want to let God do what he wants to do in your life. You want to see things for what they are, not the way it's presented. If you need to receive Christ this morning, if you're tired of living in the sin, if you're tired to define life your way, I would just ask you this morning, let Jesus change you. And so if you need to pray, you want to get right with God, you want his protection in your life, you want to see life through his eyes, you pray this, God will do this. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I'm sorry for the way that I have lived. I flirted with the enemy. I'm sorry. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. I ask you to make me the best I can be for you. 
So fill me now with your Holy Spirit. Empower me. Cause me to see life your way. And thank you for eternal life. With you forever, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time, as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thanks for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.